The Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the Weekend Variety Wireless, the Sunday edition. Special hello if you've downloaded the podcast and are having yourself a binge. Something really weird is happening. I normally wouldn't petition the listener, but I've had a look online and nobody can um, report something similar happening. I've got a Samsung S something or rather. It's a cell phone, right? Smartphone. I plugged it into charge. It was on 49%. It says 49% at the top in itty bitty writing. All good. But it didn't go, mm, like I'm getting a charge. And it didn't have the charge thing on. And I thought, oh no, I've cocked up the connection. I must have, you know, yoinked it or something. Um, so I checked out that the cable was working. Are you still with me? This is going to get good, I promise. Um, the cable was working. It charged something else, so that's good. So I plugged it back into the phone and wiggled it around. Nothing was happening, and it was sitting on 49%. Now, this is where the dynamo magician bit comes in. This is the weird bit. It stayed on 49% for two and a half days. Now a phone doesn't do that. I've been using it, I've been music casting, I've been sending messages, I've been watching um, videos, and it's staying on 49%. It will not budge, up or down. Has anyone else had such an experience with the Samsung Galaxy whatever it is? I don't even know the brand, it works fine. Anyway. 49%. I look at it. Just constant. 49%. Simon Bridges wouldn't mind 49%, would he? Political poll out. Jacinda easily the most uh, favoured politician. 40%. Simon Bridges on 10. Uh, Winston Peters on, oh, something. Five or something. Oh, do, do. Simon Bridges on 10, now there's a worry for him. But I have some good news for Simon. Simon can cheer up. He's really big in Chad. He's actually the second preferred Prime Minister for Chad, uh, ahead of Ilio Ngunwa. And we don't know why. We think it's probably because uh, of the accent he's got. They find it fascinating and um, use it for teaching English in classes. He is the second most preferred Prime Minister in Chad. All right. My grievance number 157. Is anyone else's phone stuck on one percent on a percentage charge that will not shift? I do have a grievance and it is called Jimmy's Gap. Jimmy's Gap is a word which defines something commercial and geographical. There is a separation between the North Island and the South Island. There's a reasonable expanse of water. It needs a name. Um, and I'm, I want to call it Jimmy's Gap. Because you can't get a Jimmy's Pie in the North Island. You can in the South. And surely this is not beyond the realms of 
human endeavour. I could evoke, for goodness sake, we put a man on the moon. Uh, Twelve of them, wasn't it? And we can't get a Jimmy's pie in the North Island. That is my grievance, number 157. Can we rectify Jimmy's Gap? Jimmy's Gap, um, now we've finally got a name for that stupid bit of water between the North Island and the South Island. Please feed, free, feel free to use it. Uh, copyright Weekend Variety Wireless. All right, tonight, uh, Mark Honeychurch from Skeptics. He's going to be in studio because he's here for a conference or something or other. And one of his colleagues from Nigeria, who, man, does some brave work, his name's Leo Igwe. And he tries to protect people and educate people about absolute nonsense, woo, and religious oppression from all stripes in Nigeria. But you go try that with Boko Haram on your back door. Brave is the correct word. Now, if you don't speak out against it and you allow the extremists, so you allow the extremists to rule. So by keeping quiet, you have more or less tell the extremists that there is a counter force. Mm. So I think that it is a kind of surrendering. And I want to tell you that Muslims suffer more as a result of extremism. They themselves are afraid of speaking up mm. because they know that when they do it, they will kill them. And all the people who are trying to silence the voices of those who criticize Islam, you are doing humanity a great disservice. He doesn't hold back, and he's a great speaker, Leo Igwe. He'll be uh, around about the 9.30 mark. We've got a wrap of the uh, Pi Awards. We take you behind the scenes into the depths and the history of the Pi Awards. Uh, we won't be discussing Jimmy's Gap. We'll try, find a res representative probably next week. And a fresh outsiders tonight. Uh, Cold War Sappers is what it's called. Some A, a group of engineers went to Moscow uh, tacitly to do some refurbishment on our embassy in Moscow during the Cold War. They were actually military engineers trying to clear the place of bugs, and they caught hell. It's a fascinating story. That between 11 and 12. Don't forget, there's the archive for The Outsiders as well. Paul Cassily will be joining us over the automatic telephone for Media Stick after the break. Good evening, everybody. It's still on 49%. Maybe I've discovered cold fusion. That'd be great. You're tuned in to the Weekend Variety Wireless. I have a lot of fight left in me. I'm not breaking down. The New Zealand Herald published a smear by TV blogger Paul Casserly. The blogger is obviously emotionally disturbed. We will never feel safe again. Uh, thank you for the advice regarding the phone, the mystical phone, which stays at 49% forever. Have you tried turning it off and turning it on again? Uh, just tremendous advice. Thank you very, very much for that. That's what they tried just before Stephen Hawking died. I'm not touching it. Paul Cassily, Mediastick, hello. How's it going? What are you babbling on about? I'm babbling on about something that is um, defying the laws of physics. I've got a phone that sits at 49% charged and doesn't go down or up, whether I charge it or not, or whether I use it or not. Wow. For two and a half days, 49% sitting there, staring at me. It's like a really cruel mathematical joke. So there you go. I've never... This has never happened to anybody else on the planet, I'm sure. No. There are no answers. How no. are you, Paul? I'm good, actually. Very good. Got the fire going... 
I've had been eating some nice lasagna, got my feet up, you know, mm-hmm. beautiful, wonderful. Yeah. I had a, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some politics, of course, uh, in the media. Uh, Winston Peters with a, a, a classic this week. Oh, Winston was wonderful this week. But before we hit Winston, I, I had a random thought. Someone I haven't missed, and then I realised, where, where is he? John Banks. Where is John Banks, and what is he doing? Oh, well, he had a bit of a but he had a bit of a PR disaster, though, didn't he? I can't recall. Well, his son, his long lost son, came forward. Who he it seems that he had uh, denied the existence of, and there was a and they printed a photograph of the son next to the photograph of John Banks on the Herald. This is probably a year back now, so mm-hmm. and it was. It was like they look like the same person. Oh. Um, so it was it was a, it was just a really terrible kind of a personal. Uh, it, it was just a really a real shocker that he denied the existence of his son, and it it, it just turned out that it was just kind of a horrible story. The son wasn't very happy about it. Was, was wanting dad to admit that he existed, and um, it, it subsequently did come to pass that he clearly was his son. So mm. ever since then he's gone quiet, as you probably would, because it's. Just a, He's gone subterranean, reckon, because of that. Well, I, well, I would. Would you? Yeah. Oh, crikey. Um, I thought I was expecting him to pop up something or other, someone doing a harker at the sevens or I don't know, but I just haven't heard anything from him. Oh, thank you very much for that basically little podcast about a mystery in politics. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Here we go. Winston Peters. Do you want to hear him? Yeah, well, well, this this happened this week in Parliament. The background to this is it was a there was a b- debate going on in, in the House. The Speaker was having to call order. Everyone's kind of yelling at each other as they do. And people, you know, politicians. If you've ever been to the gallery and you listen down, you hear what they're saying, um, sort of under their breath, but loud enough that everyone else can hear it. But it doesn't get recorded for Hansard, mm. usually. So it's and. Uh, Jerry Brownlee was uh, involved in this. Winston, um, well, this probably, you can hear what Winston says in this recording. Okay, here he is. Winston, Parliament. The, 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 no, no, the, I'm first of all going to have um, the shadow leader. Yeah, throw fatty out. <laughs> right, Tracy Martin. Yeah, throw fatty out. Throw fatty out. So it's, it's been adjusted there. I got that from the news hub side, actually, so you can hear, the, you can hear him quite clearly going, throw fatty out. As a, a directed at Jerry Brownlee. Throw uh, fatty out. Well, that, that's been slowed down just to make it sound demonic. What's going on? Um, childish and flat, fat shaming, terrible thing to do, but also very funny at the same time, which is the key to which is something that Peters has down. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Depends if you're on the end of it, though. I suppose in some. I know, yeah. but I'm, but I'm sure in the cut and thrust of Parliament, from the from what I've seen of Jerry Brownlee, he doesn't appear to be the sort of person who would be that offended by Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Not in, not in this case. I, yes. I, I don't appreciate... I don't think Winston's funny, just personally, when he has thoroughly unreasonable goes at thoroughly reasonable journalists' questions. So, you know, that's when I go, oh, stop it. Just answer the damn guy. I don't, I don't know. I find it entertaining every time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I do just just because you know what you, you know that he's going to be annoying. He's not going to answer the question. He's going to prevaricate. He's going to dissemble. He's going to he's going to do all the things that he does, and and hopefully call them Sunny Jim <laughs> as well. Yeah, know, it's funny. I, I know. It's, I, I do have a soft spot for it. I I know what you're saying. Mm. 
Oh, didn't Lloyd Burr leave the country in a hurry uh, at one stage with an argument with Winston Peters uh, over some detail? Well, he was very good at winding up Peters. Yes. He, he, he has a, a, a great skill in that yeah. particular department. And then he got a pint of something in the face. Oh, that's him. right. Yeah. No, that was, that was legendary, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, he's a stunt journalist. We need more of them. Yeah. Okay. Bill Maher on Trump. Yeah, Bill Maher's back. His show's been on hiatus. One of the things that you notice in New Zealand, if you're a follower of uh, podcasts or um, TV shows, is that often in the middle of winter, when you most depend on these things, people in the northern hemisphere go on on what seem to be, you know, month-long holidays. Yeah. And the and this is the time. So he he he's been off. Um, lots of the, of the different podcasts that I that I listen to, they sort of sh- slow down. But anyway, he's back, and uh, it's just—he's just, you know, he's just as, as as good as ever. But this is a nice little, uh, a nice little. It's really the reason I I put this one up today was just the use of the word enema in a really nice way. Okay. Bill Maher. Now, <laughs> our president has always been unhinged, and I have to say, in the last month, he did not get more hinged. <laughs> Did you say, this week he held two of his hillbilly Nuremberg rallies. And, uh, <laughs> and it's, um, it's, it's scary to people in this profession. I mean, he calls the media the enemy of the people, except, of course, for Fox News. They're so far up his ass, they're the enema of the people. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, from now on, collusion, not a crime, but journalism apparently is. We, we live in a country now where reporting reality gets attacked because it threatens the fantasy world created by the cult leader. So it was... <laughs> so it was kind of good to see, a couple of days ago, all our top security people, head of the FBI, head of the, the director of national intelligence, all those dudes were out there saying, it was Russia. It's Russia now. It's happening again. It's not a drill. Now, if we can just get the commander-in-chief on the same page. Because when Trump says no collusion, he means with his own national security team. (laughs) I mean, how can these people expect to do their job when the president himself is tweeting, as he did a couple of days ago, that the attorney general has to stop this rigged witch hunt with Russia. (laughs) What happened to, I can't comment on an ongoing investigation? Remember those days? And And if you're so innocent, why do we have to stop the investigation? It's a little suspicious. It's it's like when you come home and the first thing the kids say is, the babysitter's a liar. Yeah, on, in good form. I, I liked his description of the the hillbilly Nuremberg rallies too. Yeah, that, that really does sum it up. The uh, holidays that the Americans take a month, apparently. Uh, John Dubig was telling me the other day. It's just crazy how long they go away for in, in the summer break. Christmas, they get we, like an afternoon off, and then they're should, coming back. Uh, we kind of have. I mean, January's not much going on, is there? No, 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 no. Sure, sure. Uh, it, it does seem inordinately long. 
Uh, but in any case, um, an interesting observation. I kind of, I respect this guy's research, and he doesn't make grand assertions without backing it up. A guy called Tim Pool does a pretty good media review, and a little thing on Russian meddling, making an interesting point that it has been pointed out that they're meddling for kind of on both sides of the political spectrum. They're meddling, right. and. Uh, the real desire, well, I'll let him explain um, about what he thinks is happening and with some evidence behind it as well. Tim Poole, you can look him up online. He's good. Tim Mack, who is a reporter for NPR's Washington desk, tweeted this quote. He said, automated accounts of the far left and far right extremes produce as many as 25 to 30 times the number of messages per day on average as genuine political accounts across the mainstream. The extremes are screaming while the majority whispers. He continues, the Russian activity seeks to turn the normal differences of opinions among Americans into headlines about unbridgeable political divisions. American journalism has a responsibility to harden itself to these manipulations. And Wired has this story. Fake Facebook accounts are getting harder to trace. It shows this example. Resistors shared an event, a sponsored post. History has shown that fascism must be stopped before it becomes too late. We can see that it's scheduled for Saturday, November 4th, 2017. There's a swastika behind President Trump. It's calling for people to go to Times Square. And you have 520 people confirmed as going. And this is exactly what these people want, whoever they are. They want the conflict. They want to sow division among everyone. Russia is likely meddling in our elections and our politics. But because the media keeps painting it as Donald Trump colluding with Russia, Many people who support Trump don't want to believe it because they think it's just more Trump derangement syndrome. It's more lies from the media. But when you frame it more honestly than that and say, look, whoever is meddling in our politics is targeting everyone and they want you to fight each other. That's an entirely different message. So we shouldn't let this stuff drive us insane. There are a lot of people in media. There are a lot of activists that are riding the wave and they're complicit, they're, they're making money, they're building followings, and they're playing along. They are sowing division from the left and the right. What we need to say is there are valid points that liberals hold and conservatives hold, and we should do whatever we can to stop people from beating each other in the streets. To make matters worse, it's not just about tracking down who's meddling, but it's the false accusations and witch hunts against our own people. And there is an inherent flaw in social media. The security doesn't exist to prevent this kind of attack. And then people are going to be chased out of, out of bars and restaurants. They're going to be accused of being fascists, white supremacists, or communists. And as more people on the left and right fight each other in the streets, for whatever reason, for whoever you think is right, it's just going to make everything worse. And it's going beyond the point where people are being tricked. It's actually being built into people's core identity. People are going to stand up for what they believe in. And they actually believe these things to be true. It's ingrained in them. There's actually therapists talking about Trump anxiety disorder from the constant negative headlines. It's not just the manipulation and the meddling. It's the media. The media who is chasing the Trump bump, trying to get bigger, more ratings, trying to make more money. They are adding to the fire. And a hard thing for people mm. to resist. So I thought it was a nice observation. And Yeah, no, it is, that, no he, makes, he makes a lot of sense. Interesting, I heard, and I can't remember exactly who it was, but I heard an, uh, an ex-CIA dude um, being interviewed saying, well, of course they meddle, but we meddle 
all you know all big powerful governments meddle with other countries you know on multiple yeah. levels all the time i thought an interesting uh, as a wise point that he made that the Trump supporters aren't going to believe it because it's all framed as yep. that it's just and Trump. No. And the evidence is it is on both. Maybe it's more for Trump, maybe, I don't know, but it is on both sides. And nobody can be absolutely sure about who's doing what on a particular day so uh, no. or what's real. Like organising a really, you know, uh, an antagonistic rally yeah. and that being found out to be a bot or it's at least a sock. Terrifying, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, did, did you? Did, did you? I suppose you didn't have a chance to catch the uh, the hate speech of the Canadians. They were on the Sunday program tonight on TV. No, I had to record that because I was preparing yeah, no. for this. It was just the worst possible yeah. timing. What good, was it, it like? Was a, it was a good piece. Yeah. And I know that they had a lot of um, people. You know, anyway, on people on on social media were. Um, giving the Sunday show a lot of hatred actually this week and saying they shouldn't give these people a platform and blah 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 the usual sort of stuff and but people really worked up about it. Um, I'm I'm you know of course they had to. You'd have to cover what the big story is like that. It's kind of a gift story, and I think they I think they made a good fist of it. They didn't really get you know you can't get too deep. Who, uh, what, which they Sunday show or the Sunday show? Yeah okay. Yeah yeah. So the, so they. And and they gave the um, the uh, the Canadians you know a bit of a chance to talk, and they kind of debated a little bit with them. They they couldn't get very deep into it, but I thought it was a good a I think they gave it a good nudge, and mm. I, I was quite impressed. It's worth it's worth watching. It's it's definitely um, it's it, yeah I, I thought it was good and okay. and uh, yeah good on them for doing it because I think if they hadn't done it it would have been a bit I, I saw Patrick Garrow got a chance to interview them on Friday but did you use um, interview there just for the rhythm the uh, <laughs> what's that did you use the word interview there just for the rhythm because it needed a three syllable something <laughs> yeah I see what you mean yeah no he he sat down and talked to them but unfortunately he wasn't really up up to the job of of uh, of giving us anything that useful, and it's they yeah no they they kind of talked rings around him a little bit, unfortunately. I don't know what what was your take on that? Did you see it? Uh, yeah, I I heard it on the drive program with Ryan Bridge. Yeah, yeah. and it was uh, kind of unsatisfying, yeah, but what very, you'd expect, yeah. I, I think. I don't know. Uh, there was a, a high level of excitement around this uh, at um, Free to Admit, uh, uh, at News Hub when it was happening too. Yeah. Oh, no, as, <laughs> Which as is kind of bit. Now, here's the classic backfire um, the protests and the hullabaloo, ban them. That was the cause. And now you've got them on a Sunday program. Yeah. If they oh, just no. came here and nobody really worried too much, didn't try to shut them down. You know, I reckon it would have been about ten people um, at a at a hall somewhere, and they would have gone home with their tail between their legs a bit. Yeah, no, no, they they definitely liked to cause a stir, and they then that's what they did. Mm. And they they played us like a fiddle, really. Also, and and they don't have a lot of interesting stuff to say. That you know, their, their stuff's kind of it's it's kind of boring and it's predictable. And but you know, but they know how to play. Uh, people. And I just think Molyneux's smug. I was going to go to, along to the protest and say, Stephen Molyneux, you're just a little bit slightly too smug for me. That was going to be my placard. They're both pretty smug. You know, he is, <laughs> he is smug. His, um, his sort of his grasp on science is, is, isn't 
that fantastic from what I've seen. He, but you know, he he runs his, his line is basically, you know, that IQ is the great predictor of everything, and that uh, races that aren't white have a lower IQ, apart from um, Asian and Ashkenazi Jews and Ashkenazi Jews. Who uh, so white white's white a third in his book. Yeah, which kind of I think he thinks gets him off the hook. Well, you know, and but it's like you know IQ schmiq. Mm. I, was, I was actually looking at, and I've got a clip that I, I don't know if you want to play it, but yeah. it's, it's this guy who's got an IQ of two hundred, and he's you know considered the smartest guy in the world. I remember seeing this interview. Um, well, not you know he's got a really high IQ. I think Trump is meant to have an IQ, hasn't he? Or is that just something he says himself? I think it's something he says himself. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, um, the people who get, because when this debate comes up about IQ and stuff, the people who, who often get uh, brought out as, well, these peop- these two didn't have a very high IQ, and that's uh, Watson and Crick, the people who, um, the, the DNA uh, discoverers, I suppose, is that a... That's a basic way of yeah. describing them, yeah. Yeah, that's why they had to nick it off somebody else. Is that what happened? Is no, it? Yeah, well, yeah. But no, it's the IQ's kind of like, um, well, especially when it comes to racial differences in IQ, it is just like microwave background radiation. Anything in your life trumps it, basically. It's just a silly thing to put anything on whatsoever. But that's basically his whole shtick, is, is, yeah. is IQ. She just likes winding up people um, and is very good at it. Mm, yeah. Do you want to hear Molyneux or your smartest man in the world? Well, let's, actually, no, let's just hear a bit of Molyneux because this does give a bit of an um, indication of what he's on about. Here he's talking about a thing called the MAOA gene, which is this, this so-called warrior gene that was oh, that's much right. talked about um, and, and, and and the idea is here that that's if you have this gene, uh, you're more predisposed to violence, and it's it, it's you know found higher in certain um, populations. Hmm. But actually, the the truth of the matter is it's very complex, and it, it may or may not relate to whether you're going to be violent or or, or whatever. Yeah, it's um, that thing where people think genes and its cause effect again and right. they completely misunderstand it. Uh, I know it's a really hard thing to get your head around and but, but you know yeah. predisposition can mean next to nothing. But also I think around about 30% of people in our population have this gene. So Yeah. It's it doesn't really add up, but the, but the way that he describes um, I've noticed you getting worked up occasionally, Paul. I'm just be happy wondering <laughs> the way he describes MAOA. The way he You're describes MAOA. How, how different how different races react to this gene uh, is I think really indicative of what what he's on about and where he's coming from. Yeah, there we go. Say to the black families, look. When you abuse your children, you are setting events in motion that if they have this genetic susceptibility, and if you look at these ratios. It's huge. You are setting events in motion that are going to result in increased criminality in your population. You already have higher testosterone, according to many measures. If you have this genetic susceptibility to being triggered by violence, sorry, into becoming violent, being triggered by violence into becoming a violent person, you know, maltreat an Asian child. I don't know whether you get a great pianist. I don't know. Maltreat a Caucasian kid. Uh, I don't know. You get some goth. But uh, maltreat a black kid. And... Um, the prevalence of this warrior gene sequence, particularly this two repeat, you're going to get a very different kind of person. No, good God, Molyneux, <laughs> really? Right. Yeah, I know. It's, and, and that's his whole shtick is basically, 
overplaying all the negative aspects of black and and indigenous cultures. I saw some of his stuff ages ago. I saw some of his stuff ages ago, and he wasn't going on anything about this. And and it was just his manner that put me off, and I never went back to him. Yeah, no, he's a he's a char- he's a smug charlatan, but you know, he's got they, that tone of voice where he sounds, he sounds like, like I know smart. everything. Yeah, totally. I, I so appreciate people who seem a little at least a bit unsure. Robert Kennedy always looked as though he was afraid of his shadow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, shall we hear the smartest man in the world? I have yeah, him so, ready. Yeah, so this is the guy who has an, an IQ of. 200, and I thought it was interesting to hear what this, what this guy's like. He's, he's, he's not, not interesting, but uh, this is from an interview um, from a, a documentary series that I saw, and I'm trying to remember who made it, but I'll, I'll try and recall it while we're listening to okay. it. Okay, here he is. Say you had the opportunity to run the world. How would you do it? Oh, well, one of the first things that I would do is I would institute something like the Manhattan Project for a safe, long-lasting means of birth control. Simply implant that in all children at age 10. That would solve our population problem right off the bat. It would also enable us to practice a benign form of eugenics, or I should probably say anti-dysgenics. Prevent undesirable genetic mutations in the human genome. People who wanted to have children would apply to make sure they had no diseases. Either we have to do it through genetic engineering, or we have to let only the fit breed. We like to think that it is our right to breed as incontinently as we want to, to have as many kids with whomever we want to. Future generations of mankind are being saddled with the results of what we do. Or don't do. Freedom is not necessarily a right. It is a privilege that you have to earn. A lot of people abuse their freedom, and that is something that people have to be trained not to do. What a buzzkill old Christopher Michael Lang- Langdon is. Um, so he's the guy with the IQ of 200. That's from an Errol Morris documentary, okay. um, and which you know, he's been described as the smartest man in the world by lots of journalists just because his IQ is so high. But boy, he's a, he's, a, he's a frightening kind of character. The smartest person in the world, I reckon he'd be really, really good at those things that they ask you in IQ tests, like Clearly. two people are in a train, one of them is travelling north at 40 miles an hour, three people are in another train travelling south at 20 miles an hour. If one gets off, and he'd have the answer to that. Yeah, 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 it's a, yeah no, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm just saying I don't necessarily think IQ is a be-all be and end-all. Yeah, no, but, uh... <laughs> me either. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, although there was a New Zealander um, uh, philosopher from Dunedin, I think he's gone underground more than uh, John Banks for making a really reasonable... It was just a thought experiment. It was to do with ethics. I think he's a philosopher. It just And what do you think of this? Is there an ethical problem with this? And it just as a thought experiment, and it, he had to be cut down from a tree. It was very unfortunate. He says, what if we had contraceptive some sort of thing some way that didn't hurt you at all and um if you want like in the water or air i don't know whatever it's just a thought experiment and if you wanted to have a baby you could get this little pill that you took it didn't do you any harm it just made you fertile and if you wanted to have a baby the pill was free readily available but you had to take it or you, you know you could have a bowl full at home doesn't matter 
um, freely available. If you wanted to have a baby, take it. And he thought, is there anything wrong with that? And I was thinking really hard, and I don't really know, even though it sounds ek on the front. But so, what's the point of that? I, I don't quite get oh, the... Oh, unwanted pregnancies. Oh, okay. Oh, if you right. want a baby, yeah, yeah, you've actually got yeah, to do yeah. something. It just yeah, not much. Yeah. You reach over to that bowl yeah. and take that pill. Um, it does you no harm. All of this is completely benign. You want a baby? No worries. Nobody's but, stopping you. Well, yeah, no, that, that's, yeah, that sounds all right. But would men have babies then? Oh, I'm going to evoke beyond my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got to take a short break. We'll be back very, very shortly. More media stick with Paul Cassidy. Tim Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. So just regarding the, uh, con- the universal contraception scandal thought experiment, um, I would hope that the bloke would have to take the pill as well. Just thinking. I'm not sure if that came into the equation, but I certainly would hope that was the case. Because I was just thinking, you know, it would be a... Takes two to tango, Paul. So is this uh, this from a long time ago this happened, or was this that this guy made this... I've lost concept of what long time ago means now. Okay, but but did people get a bit upset about it? it, Yeah, yeah, there was outrage. It's like, oh, it's it's eugenics. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't. It wasn't. And that brings me back to... It's a thought exercise. Yeah, yeah, a thought exercise, which when you try and pair it apart, you open it up and see what's in it, and it's... Mm. I can't really see anything wrong with it. But um, that's what I think is one of the problems too. A really kind of a serious problem with the Molyneux, what's-its-name, and um, Lauren Southern thing. I would... Don't misrepresent them. Don't say that they're something that they aren't to make them seem more monstrous than they are, because people will find out, and then they'll find that you have been lying, and they will get support, and they will think, well, maybe the other stuff they say is right. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. They're not... not, uh devils they're not they're, they're not the worst people in the world they're just they're kind of just dicks yeah but um yeah no exactly right but of course they, of course they they have the right to come here and, yeah. and do their their stuff i think probably the smart move would have been if if the Auckland council had just just let them use their yeah their hall and probably there wouldn't have been i mean you know there probably would have been a bit of coverage because people would have protested at it but that's fine isn't mm. it that's not okay to protest at something and absolutely and all that sort of stuff yeah absolutely I mean, yep. I, I, I do sort of have a little bit of, uh, you know, I you know I do take on board that idea of, well, the council doesn't have to support this sort of thing, that's fine. There are private people who can hire their venues out, but as we saw with the power station, it's yeah. pretty tricky when, when uh, people are really... Yeah, those that don't on. have the ethos of the importance of free speech are the people that would make a false bomb threat and make it stop because they don't want any or anyone hearing it. That is a philosophy yeah. I find kind of repulsive. But it's interesting. Nigel Farage is coming here too, so I wonder if oh really? If he, he he doesn't quite get the same level of uh, hatred because he's not seen as such a racist as these guys. Yeah. But anyway, the, um, I may as well at this juncture. Uh, play a cat called Rationality Rules. Um, I do like his stuff online. You can have a look at him. Um, just on a thing about censorship. It's called Censorship Debunked, I think is the title. Uh, it's a minute and a half long. Um, and here he is. I don't know his name. Rationality Rules. This is the world of YouTube. You just That's what he is. 
And the third reason to give free speech to those we hate is because not doing so has devastating consequences. If you want to see the danger of censorship, just look at people like Richard Spencer and Milo Yiannopoulos. Their fame, their power to the extent that they have it, their influence, the fact that you all know who they are, even though they don't have any good ideas, is entirely down to censorship. I honestly think that Brendan's so on the money here. Many of the right's current most prominent figures owe their status, and in some cases entirely, due to censorship. Not due to good ideas or intelligible discourse, but due to them being no platform because they were deemed offensive and slash or hateful. History has taught us again and again and again that censorship often has a very heavy price. It empowers the censored and it deprives ordinary people, like myself, from defeating bad ideas in the only way we truly can. In public, with reason, rationality, logic, evidence and consistency. If you think someone has a bad, offensive or even violent idea, let them express it. Because without it being public, it has no opposition. The way we rid the world of bad ideas is not by silencing them, it's by discussing them. Freedom of speech is the foundational freedom. It's the freedom that makes everything else possible. It's the freedom, you know, the right to vote, the right to association, the right to political organization. None of those make any sense or are even workable without freedom of speech, without the right to say what you want, to publish what you want, to distribute what you want. So the fact that there is a new left or students or, you know, society in general that is increasingly uncomfortable with freedom of speech should concern us enormously. Um, and I experienced something and it really worried me. Uh, Paul, it was, oh gosh, 1998 election or something like that. And someone I knew um, came back to this place where I was at and looked very pleased with himself. And I said, what are you looking so pleased with yourself? And he says, we've done it, we've done it. They'd gone and trampled down all the National Party and ACT Party um, placard things and just left up the parties that they liked. And I said, you That's about as anti-democratic as you can think. Really? Why would you do that? That's really, that's, I think that stinks. Childish, Graham. Childish. It's like Winston Peters, just childish. <laughs> Throw fatty out. Hey, um, I'm going to be watching and how differently it's going to feel. Celebrate the journey of a food icon. Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. Starts Friday, August 10 on Food TV. New series. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is a series that hasn't aired yet, is it? I think so, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Hey, Dan Carlin, we both know him. Uh, sometimes yes. I can go to sleep to his stories and wake up and just start again. Uh, the yes. podcasts yes. aren't long enough at four hours. No, this is... Um yeah, so Dan Carlin, Hardcore History is the podcast. If you haven't heard of it, it's a, it's great, and you need to get it. You need to get it into your life. Um, great. I I recently drove down to Gisborne, which is a good, and good, actually nearly nine hours to where I was going. So a big drive, and this was nearly four hours long, three hours and something, and it really was. It was yeah. It, it's, it was wonderful. It was the highlight of my journey down, to be honest. Listening to this and looking at the at the countryside, but uh, this is his his latest one, and it's um, something. It's a, it's about an issue. It's about a, a historical thing that's always fascinated me, and this is the idea of the Japanese soldiers who kept fighting the war, mm. even though it was well over, 
and there was one particularly famous one who didn't give up until the 70s. I think it was the 70s. It was 1974. Wow. Hiro Onoda was his name, mm. and he um, he was persuaded finally to come out of the Philippine jungles in 1974. They had to send family members and stuff over there to convince them the war was actually over. And this whole podcast is really getting into the into the weeds of what made what made Japan the only country in the world where you know because he wasn't the only soldier who kept fighting. But what made them so different to all the other countries who fought that war? And it's just a really fascinating uh, podcast. Yeah. And here's he, he gets into the social fabric of things, the mindset, so beautifully, unlike anyone else, I think. It's great. Okay, uh, here he is, Dan Cullen. He was found officially by, like, a kid, a hippie kid is what the soldier called him. Onoda called him a hippie kid who said he was looking for, I read somewhere he said he was looking for, wild pandas, meaning the existence of pandas in the wild, the abominable snowman, and Lieutenant Onoda. Now, lest you think that this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime Robinson Crusoe shipwreck kind of anomaly, Hiro Onoda is not the only Japanese World War II soldier that surrenders in 1974. There's another one. In 1972, there was one. There were two in the 1960s. There were a bunch in the 1950s. And in the 1940s, after the war ended, sometimes whole units were still fighting. I believe it was almost three years after the war ended, a unit of a couple of hundred of these Japanese soldiers with their heavy weapons finally surrendered. What the hell is that? What accounts for that? And it's not just the Philippines. I mean, it it was happening on places like Guam, for example, Saipan. I mean, uh, there were people still running around the caves after the war in Iwo Jima. They were, I mean, it was fascinating that what you saw here didn't happen in the other theaters of war because the other theaters of war did not include the Japanese. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, it's it's, it's just fascinating, eh? All right, uh, we're going to have to pull stumps there. Sorry, Sasha, you're okay with that? Hello, talking to you. Yeah. Paul? Why Sasha? Baron Cohen and Mr. Oh, Mount. Right. Or yeah, is this yeah. vital to your existence? No, no, that's all good. Yeah. Okay. Paul, thank you very much, but uh, stay there. Last week we didn't have a New Zealand accent. Today, too many riches. We have bronze, silver and gold. Bronze. At this stage, we're not aware of how they got into our system. A lot of our uh, data files have been encrypted, uh, so we do not have access to them at the moment. That was New Zealand Upward Principal, Upward Inflection Principal Barbara Williams. Nice. In the silver position, pie lover, retired, Tauranga. At this stage, we're not... Ah, oh, sorry, here we go. This is just the thing for a pensioner for dinner. Yum, yum. And... <laughs> The gold medal, New Zealand accent this week from the project Olivia Cardwell, Christchurch. Paul, thank you. Hey, we're here in Christchurch tomorrow. Tomorrow night we've got the Super Rugby final, Crusaders Lions. But tonight we have a bit of a showdown. It's huge here. We've got Greg the Crusader, Daniel the Lion. I'm not liking that result. The Lion has won here, but hopefully that's not an indica- indication of tomorrow night. Oh, hello. 
Life, more. <laughs> the universe, and everything, and everything in between. between. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. And here's uh, an artist I really, really rate. Got an early heads up for an album that's coming out in October. Uh, it's by Kristen Hirsch. And... You, I don't think you'll be able to hear it uh, elsewhere. Just got an, um, you know, a download that I can play for you. I really, really rate her. Gosh, she's good. She's done so many great solo albums. We were practically engaged once. We were very close. She had no idea that we were practically engaged. So it might have all been in my head, but here she goes. This is a gorgeous thing. Weird, called weird name. L e t h e. Again, I don't know what it means, but she's quite a special person. Kristen Hirsch. It just gets me. I don't know about you, but anyway, that's Kristen Hirsch and the album coming out in October, October 15th internationally, is uh, called Probable Dust Storms. Heading towards nine o'clock, Mark Honeychurch, a regular for Skeptical Thoughts, is in the studio this week because him and his outfit, the rationalists and humanists, have had this big conference. And I'm very, very grateful that they've delivered some stunning guests. Leo Igwe, fighting Boko Haram. Go try it. That'll be at 9.30.